1: Hello and welcome to Podcasting Smarter. This is Norma Jean-Belenke, Podbean's Head of Events. And today's episode is a conversation with CEO and founder Jeff Umbro and Vice President of Marketing and Audience Development, Joni Deutsch of The Podglomerate, where we'll get into audience development, monetizing your audience, launch strategy, and more. Stay tuned. And here we go. Hi, guys. How's it going? Hello. Good. Good. How are you? Good. We are so excited to talk to you today. So... First off, tell us a little bit about what is The Podglomerate?
0: Sure. So The Podglomerate is a company that I founded back in 2016. And today we do three things. We produce, distribute, and monetize podcasts. Uh, so on the production front, we will do white label production as well as owned and operated uh, IP. We just launched our first truly like original show called Missing Pages a few months back. It's been doing great. You should check it out. Uh, But then we also produce shows for folks like Lifetime, History Channel, A&E, Spotify, etc. We run audience growth campaigns for third parties focused on publicity, marketing, cross-promotion, paid acquisition, pitching the apps, etc. And I'm sure we'll get into a little bit of that later on. Uh, And we do that for quite a few organizations across the industry. And then we also run ad sales uh, initiatives for about 70 different shows, agency, direct, programmatic, etc. Uh, so we like to think of ourselves as kind of like a services agency that you can come and hire really for any like level of podcaster. It can be you know somebody who's just doing this as a hobby uh, or it can be like a big Fortune 500 organization. We can kind of help you all. Level up what you're working on as kind of an independent for hire agency as opposed to working with like an iHeart, a Sirius, a Spotify, et cetera.
1: Amazing. Amazing. And before we jump into audience development and growth, which is what I want to focus on today, tell us a little bit about how you both got into podcasting because everybody's journey is so different in the industry.
2: Yeah, sure. So for me, I actually did not begin my professional career thinking that I would get into podcasting. I was actually pre medicine biology, going to be a physician, going to be a doctor, a very different path. And that was about uh, 10, 11 years ago when I was in college. But I always had a love of media. I always had a love of storytelling. I had a love of podcasts. But back then, my podcasts were like the uh, KCRW music podcast, like the public radio, tiny desk kind of podcast for music discovery. And... Uh, I wanted to do something for fun on the side to get me out of the biology lab with rats that you know we were doing uh, research on. And so I picked up a shift at the college radio station on campus and I then eventually decided that I really loved broadcasting. I loved uh, media, I loved, you know, audio and sound storytelling to a higher degree than I thought and made that my career. So what led me Specifically to podcasting, though, around that time was when starting that media journey. I moved to an NPR station to work for my first job, official, like, you know, uh, post grad job. And they had a podcast that was pre existing. It had been around for quite some time. Mm -hmm. And their approach to podcasting was take the broadcast of it, put it into a podcast feed. And it was about nearly 3 hours per episode. Wow. And me coming in, I thought, "Mm, that doesn't sound like that's a great listener experience. And also, there's never been marketing devoted to this. Let's try to figure out how we can make this a good podcast experience for all involved. So really, that was my first foray into podcasting was working on that huge, widely listened NPR program that was in a podcast feed and how we could innovate it and bring it back to life given modern podcast standards. And that's how my career began in public radio and NPR now with the Podglomerate. Amazing. Amazing. And I just kind of want to ask
1: a quick follow-up question. So for everybody out there who is a podcaster that doesn't come from a radio background, what do podcasters need to know? Or what can they learn from the folks that come over from public radio or who studied radio or even just picked up a shift at the college radio station?
2: I mean, I would say it's... If you're curious about it, um, then ask questions. It's Getting connected, uh, media landscape, podcast, public radio landscape are so kind. I'm not going to say everyone is, but for the most part, <laughs> everyone I've been on my professional journey, most people on my professional journey have been open, welcoming folks who are, you know, kind enough to be able to give their time, whether a few minutes or over coffee or for email, to be able to give guidance, to give some ideas. So I would just say that if you're even interested in moving into a new career path, if you're being led by passion, then I would encourage you to just ask those questions, put yourself out there, make moves, even if maybe you're not really sure what the charted path is for you yet, you can chart it yourself. There's no one linear way to have a career in media or getting into media. Just know that zigzags can occur and that's, that's perfectly okay. Yeah, absolutely.
0: I couldn't agree more with that. I, I think it's it's a lot about just showing the initiative and the effort. You know, I know everybody has dis- different circumstances that they're coming from, but if if it's something that you really want, like sometimes you just ask questions and you work towards it, and it's usually a pretty open field for for most people to kind of make their way into it. Yeah, and in, in terms of um, kind of where Joni's coming from, her and I have different paths but similar experiences where the initial foray into audio came from just being bored at work and looking for like a creative outlet for Joni it was in school for me it was uh, at at an old book publicity job that I had so I started a podcast where I would interview authors and I just fell in love with the medium and couldn't stop reading about it and spent all my time like trying to learn more about it Uh, and eventually that led me to you know in a roundabout way creating the pogglomerate.
1: Amazing and I think also, I've heard you speak about how, you know that initial book publicity really kind of gave you the foundation for podcast audience growth and publicity as well. So tell us a little bit about what does audience development include and mean these days in terms of podcasting for the average podcast?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So audience development in podcasting is it can be a lot of different things for a lot of people. Like step one is honestly just figuring out what is your goal and what are you trying to do. Are you interested in downloads so that you can monetize them? Are you interested in engaged listeners so that you can build a community around a certain topic? Are you interested in thought leadership, business development, lead generation, uh, you know, building events, premium subscribers, etc.? And there's a little bit of a different strategy that kind of leads into each of those different opportunities. But generally speaking, the key is first figuring that out and then, you know, honing your your methods in order to attract like the listeners that you're looking for we've worked with a lot of folks over the years that are interested in any number of the things that i just mentioned but generally speaking you're going to look at some form of you know publicity so you know trying to get your project written about or talked about through different media elements through reviews lists of shows surrounding certain topics features interviews etc um trying to get your show uh in front of your audience that exists elsewhere through email, newsletter, website, social, et cetera. Maybe you have like a, a live event space attached to your show. Maybe you have like an app. Then there's cross promotional opportunities with other podcasts because the best way to find podcast listeners is to go after the folks who are already listening to podcasts. There's no barrier yes. to entry there.
1: Yes, we talk about this all the time at Podbean. Podcast listeners are, on, are listening to other people's podcasts. Do swaps, do ad swaps, do collaborations. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: It's a really accessible way for a lot of people to jump in and tackle this initiative as well. There's a lot of people who are looking to do it. And there's different levels of sophistication when it comes to like running this kind of outreach. But ultimately, like everybody is interested, especially if it's a good audience and content fit. And there's a lot of different ways that you can help track like the success of that. We use chartable smart promos all the time, which basically uses pixel integrations to track how effective an ad unit is. Um, there's a lot of different ways to to think about that. And then there's paid acquisition, which I can go into. And then there's pitching podcast apps, which is a little bit more of like a gatekeeper situation, but not always, and opens up a lot of opportunity in the same way that people who are listening to other podcasts are like already kind of attuned to how to listen to a new podcast, the folks who are looking in the podcast apps discover section are the ones who are actively seeking out their next listen.
1: Absolutely. And at Podbean, we do have in-app promo, So I'll have the link here for everyone listening, which is pretty exciting. And in terms of, of some of that promo, can you tell us maybe an example of some shows that listeners may have heard of or some particular launches that you guys can share with our listeners here at Podcasting Smarter?
2: Yeah, sure. So as Jeff mentioned, we have the pleasure of working with a wide range of clients of campaigns and shows. So that means genres. So we have some shows in the business category. You may have heard of Money Rehab with Nicole Lappin. Nicole is one of the best financial analysts and reporters out there uh, coming from CNBC and Bloomberg and CNN. And her podcast, Money Rehab, has basically been the number one show on the business charts for uh, quite some time, yeah. But more than that, we have other shows outside of business that we work with. Some that folks may be familiar with, especially in the year 2022. Uh, one of the shows we had the pleasure to work on this past year was "This Is Dating," which was a podcast that Vulture named one of the best of 2022. A co-production uh, or. This Is Dating was produced by Magnificent Noise, a collaboration of PRX. And basically, it's a... I would call it a reality dating show, but through like a public radio-like lens but again our shows vary depending on the season bet- depending on the, the client we're working with one of the more recent ones we've worked on is pbs nature's podcast going wild with dr raywon grant it's a sound rich really beautiful journey not just about the environment and you know your favorite critters in the wilderness but also identity and the sense of identity that comes from saving the wilderness and the world
0: to tack onto that we have the pleasure of working with a lot of really amazing partners you know, NHPR station. I'm sorry, New, NPR stations, including NHPR, which is New Hampshire Public Radio, but then also, you know, academic institutions, think tanks, other production companies, uh, publishers, etc. cetera. So there's a lot of different ways in which we do that. We do use, I, I keep going back to the PR marketing, cross promo, app pitching and paid acquisition, because that's the general framework in which we kind of tackle this it always helps to you can take a step back and just point to each of them and see kind of how we've been performing on on them and what we need to go back to do more of but generally speaking like there's a hundred different ways to go about a marketing campaign or a growth campaign and and it really does go back to like what are your goals and how what's the best way to kind of connect the dots there
1: yeah absolutely and every podcast like you mentioned does have different goals right maybe it's lead generation for your own small business maybe it's a hobby podcast maybe you know you're trying to build a vast and wide audience you know within your genre so it really is specific to your podcast and the vision that you have for your show i want to talk a little bit next about what the relationship is between audience and monetization because you guys do move around in that space especially with ad campaigns and then also you know there's there's budget put into building the show <laughs> and then there's budget put into advertising on the show so Tell us a little bit about that push and pull in terms of audience and monetization with some of the shows that you work with,
0: yeah, absolutely. So there's a lot of different ways that you can think about this. Like if you're trying to monetize a show via advertising, like there's the the math problem of like how many downloads are you getting, how many impressions are attached to that download. For example, if you have a show that has one hundred thousand downloads an episode, you might have a hundred thousand pre-roll impressions, but then you might have, you know, eighty thousand impressions in your first mid-roll, seventy thousand in your second, uh, in like fifty thousand in your post roll or something, which has to do with the consumption rate of the episodes. So there's actually some like not complicated but annoying math that goes into figuring this out to see like really what you're able to sell for every show. And a lot of it is projection based. Some of it, you know, is is a little bit more like A little bit more regular if you're working with a show that's kind of always on. So you have like more of an expectation of of audience. And then simultaneous to that, you have to look at like what kind of growth opportunities exist as you're like putting promotional efforts behind the show. So you can determine like if I'm going to do this big campaign and we think that the New York Times is going to write about the show, like is that going to impact these ad sales? And then you have to figure out the timing of that because oftentimes you're actually selling these ads, you know, months and months in advance. So anyway, I, I say all of this not as any form of like guidance or or education really, but more so just to illustrate that like it can get really complicated when you're like going out to monetize a show. So there's a bunch of different ways to think about it. The easiest and like most regularly recurring on most shows is, is ad sales. And you basically just take your downloads versus your number of ad markers that are in each episode and you try and sell those for a CPM, which is a cost per thousand downloads. And then you can say, you know, if I'm going to get a $25 CPM for a pre-roll and we have 100,000 downloads, then that's 25,000 downloads for that pre-roll ad spot for that episode or that window of time or whatever it is. You can bake these in. You can do dynamic insertion. Uh, There's a few different methods in terms of how you do that. And then there's the idea of like host red versus producer red. Are you using pixel tracking? Are you not? So there's like a lot of very easy questions, but like you know, it gets complicated when you put them all in the same bucket. And you know, there's the whole artistry of actually selling these things. <laughs> you're going to an
1: agency. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of nuance yeah. in terms of the technical side of ads, and and we have a lot of information here on that at Podbean, including dynamic ad insertion and all that good stuff. So we'll have links for everybody in the show notes. But in terms of overall kind of monetizing your show, so Jeff, what's the relationship between audience and monetization in terms of you know your aggregate audience, maybe the size of your audience or your specific niche, and how you can monetize it.
0: Yeah, it's kind of an interesting approach that a lot of publishers take differently than than what the Puglomer has done historically. But we actually might be moving more into that avenue in the future. But you see a lot of these companies that like are verticalizing the the content that they're putting out. You know, it could be around like women's interest stuff. It could be around entertainment. It could be around Education or literature or business or entrepreneurship, but you see like a bunch of shows that are surrounding the same topics. And the reason that people or that publishers are doing that is because A, like you can start to design your content a little bit. And I hate to say this because it sounds so like jaded, but you can start to design your content a little bit towards the advertisers that you're looking to reach or the ones that you've already worked with in the past and kind of like group those sales together in a few different ways. But generally speaking, like an advertiser is going to be looking for content that is going to both match like what they're selling. And then also you can look at it through like the demographics of who your audience is. So what I mean by that is like, if you have a, a podcast about entrepreneurship, then like QuickBooks might be interested in advertising on that because you have a bunch of theoretical entrepreneurs who are going to be uh like needing to do their taxes right (laughs) exactly
1: (laughs) yeah but but then at the same
0: note like there's you can also look at like you know who's listening to the show like you know dove soap or unilever may have like a bunch of data on like you know uh, men in their 30s in ohio that they want to reach and you know you might have a comedy show that has nothing to do with soap or cleaning or whatever or wellness but like that might be their target demo based on what they're trying to hit, and there's a hundred different ways that they can go about actually trying to find that audience programmatically and directly. So there's like really two major ways that the advertisers will look at that, like contextual and then demographic.
1: Fantastic, and and Jeff, just to to ask a direct follow up at the Podglomerate, you guys are really known for your data based approach that drives development. So how does? I mean, you kind of spoke about it a little bit. How does? you know, the data that you guys are looking at drive the development of content and specific podcast shows?
0: So sometimes the the cobbler's kid has the worst shoes. <laughs> uh, we We really, when we're looking to develop shows, like we look at it from a few different angles. You know, on the data side, like we know what we're able to sell really well. Currently, those two like buckets would be like anything in like the business money entrepreneurial side. And the second thing would be on like the wellness front. And we're looking at like past sales over the last year, six months, three months, whatever it is, in like what we've been able to do well and what's getting renewals on the same note like the content really has to stand up because it's easy to sell something for like a test it's really hard to get a renewal if it's not working but then when it comes to like the development uh you know the cobbler's kid comment has to do with really the idea that like there's the stuff that we know is going to make us money on the ad sales front and then there's the stuff that we just really love making so we make a lot of shows about like the literary and publishing community and we do that really because like you know the team that that we've built really loves that content and we know how to like grow it and and just, we don't always know how to monetize it. So I, I guess there's a little bit of like a, a double-sided sword here because, or a double-edged blade, because you... Uh, yeah, there is that creative impetus
1: that, to make that good content exactly. for the sake of good content. Absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah. Joni, I want to kind of direct this next question to you. What are some general best practices for building your podcast audience?
2: Oh gosh. Uh, and are you thinking more so for someone who's starting out with the idea of podcast marketing audience Yeah. Them, or maybe yeah. some okay. I would
1: say, great. I mean, we'll talk about launch in a little bit specifically for launch strategy because I definitely hear podcasting smarter, we do talk about that a lot. But I also want to talk about, you know, for anybody who's had a podcast out there and maybe, you know, it's stagnant or you have a consistent audience, but it's a specific size and it's
2: plateaued. Yeah. No, I think it's a great question. And I'll I'll start by saying, the reason I ask that question to you, Norma Jean, is because it's also worth starting that internal question and ideation of what resources do I have available to me? Resources, yes. not just in budget, in paid budget, you could do on paid ad spend or paid audio spend, uh, but also... What is the internal and owned operational channels that you have that you could utilize in growing audience in the sense of, do you have an email newsletter? Do you have social media channels that are active? Obviously, the podcast feed, if you're wanting to grow your audience, that's pre-existing. But I mentioned that because knowing that doing that internal audit will be able to give you a sense of, okay, if I reach out to a cross-promotional partner... Whether it's another podcast, maybe it's an email newsletter with an audience that I'd love to be able to get my podcast in front of. Here are the ways in which I can say how I can return the favor, how I can be able to build this cross promotional relationship so it's beneficial to both sides. So that's the first thing I would do is really just consider what do you have available and what are your audience and content goals. And then following that, it's then deciding and making a list of. Where are the places that you would love to have your show featured and put in front of that audience type, that target audience that you'd love to be able to bring on board? And again, that can include email newsletters and maybe can include social media channels. But to everyone's point on this interview, audio really is the royalty in the cross-promotional universe of podcast marketing and audience development. It's great to really be able to consider where are people going for audio because they love audio and they know it and you can speak their language. So look to podcasts that fit the niche or a comparable niche of what you're doing. Reach out to their hosts, reach out to their producers. Yes. See if you can, you can do a trade of some kind. Usually yes, that's free. absolutely. Usually that's an
1: easy way to do it. Absolutely, and you know we talk about this. That you don't always have to have budget and say like, hey, you know, can I pay you to promote my podcast on mm-hmm. your podcast? You don't always have to buy those ad slots. Sometimes, you know, podcasting is about community and it's relational, right? It's about building that network and saying, hey, you know. We're in the same genre. I love your show. I'd love to be featured on your show. Here's what I can do for you. And just building that bridge. So I think that that's a really important point. And I want to ask you next, Joni, what makes the difference for the podcasts that have made that impact or to, or stand out in terms of audience development? Have you seen anything different in terms of practices that they're doing? Anything consistent that they're doing that maybe podcasters here can learn from?
2: One thing I would say is that it not everything with podcasting should be focused on the data. Because to your point... It is about human relationships. It is about growing an audience, engaging with the community, growing relationships across the different you know fields of audio and media. But yeah, it does come down to downloads. It does come down to the little you know data figures, zero to nine, that can give you an indication of whether your efforts are actually falling upon the right ears and encouraging them to be converted into listeners and maybe subscribers or members, depending on what your goals are for your podcast down the line. So I would say that Maybe one of the things that people are emphasizing more and more now, now that you people understand how to make a podcast in terms of where to get equipment, where to get the best microphone, now we're in the phase of this podcast industry of, okay, now what? How do we actually gauge the growth? And what do we need to know about the data in order to fuel our decisions moving forward? So for any podcaster out there that's listening, I would say it's, yes, ideating. Thinking of the big ways that you can market and put your podcast in front of people. But it's also rooting that in some degree, to some degree, in the data. So that means what platform are you using to host and distribute your show? And are they giving you enough data for you to be able to see the, you know, growth effect, the rate in which you are actually able to expand your podcast empire? So that's yes, something to consider. absolutely.
1: Yes, we talk about this all the time at Podme, because we're very big at statist- on statistics. <laughs> but you know, sometimes, you know, it's important to know what you're getting with a host. Um, and mm-hmm. when you're picking a host, there's a few things to think about. Statistics is a really big one. Whether ad whether ad platforms and ad integration is built in is another one. So definitely picking a host is super important. And I want to talk now about launch because we did kind of touch on this earlier. So I kind of want to ask you both this question because I feel like I might get slightly different answers. So how important is a show launch or a season launch? versus ongoing strategy growth because i always feel like when people are doing a launch or even a new season of their show or a new series is coming out there's this big push and there's a bit of momentum around it so number 1 you know how important is that what can podcasters do to create that and then also what are some strategies for ongoing growth in terms of sustaining that kind of excitement
2: well being able to have a strong marketing plan it you know, it means being able to know in advance when your launch is going to occur or when your new series or new episodes is going to occur. The more time you have, the more, uh, you know, uh, ramp or road you have ahead of you, it's going to make it an easier way or, but hopefully an easier yes. way for you to be able to accomplish your goals. So internally, you know, at the Pogglomerate, we're wanting to get as much time as possible. Now, sometimes that doesn't end up that way. Maybe it's that we have a few weeks' notice, but I would say for anyone listening out there, Try to have at least a month, maybe even two or three, so that you know, okay, this is how much time I have to be able to start those conversations for app features, for media coverage and publicity, for cross-promotional swaps. We know how busy podcasters are out there. And the more time you give them to get on their calendar for production, for recording, for script exchanges that's going to make it easier on you to have that line up perfectly to the week and the month that you're going to be launching your new podcast or your new episode. And that's key is that that first month really is the best time to be able to get the most eyeballs on that piece of work, to be able to encourage that growth even further. Now, if it doesn't work out that way, it's not the end of the world by any means. But I'd also say too... How is your strategy incorporating not just that launch month, that launch week or launch day, but also maybe the series run or the first few months of the series or episodes? So that's something to consider. It's not a full out marathon where everything has to fall on the first day of that launch or the first week or month. So stretch it out. If you need to expand it out so that it's more of a you know sprint or a walk, so that way you can pace yourself, then definitely go for that as well. Yes,
1: absolutely. I think sustainability is is a really important aspect of it as well. And I love what you said in terms of preparation because we talk about this a lot as well in terms of producing your show. Make sure you have a bank of episodes
2: mm-hmm. when you
1: launch, right? Make sure you have a a production plan because pod fade is
2: real. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. and and I'll add too that you know it's. I think that's a perfect way to think of it. Is that you know everyone creating a podcast, you're thinking, oh. How much time is it going to make? Is it going to be for me to make the show and make it sound rich, to make the episodes pop, to make it, you know, a great accompaniment for a podcast listener out there, whatever they're doing? I'd say the same time should be spent as well in tandem, thinking of that podcast marketing strategy as you're visualizing what your sound is going to be, the scripts. Think the other side of the coin. Think about well, what is the marketing efforts going to be for this particular episode? Are there sound bites we can take out from it, and make into you know quotable cards for social media purposes? Are there video segments that we can take, utilize that for TikTok or Instagram Reels or something else? It's thinking of it from both lenses. I know that can be uh, you know, a bit of a muscle strain at times. But that's going to be helpful because as you're ideating on the production side, you're also going to be brainstorming then how can this be something to grow that audience out further? Yes, absolutely. Jeff, do you want to add in here?
0: Yeah, I think that there's a few different ways to look at this. First of all, I, I agree with everything that both of you just said. But like really diving into it a little bit, I think that there's a different structure for marketing an always-on show versus seasonal show versus some kind of fictional show versus you know, any other type of genre that's out there. Like, for example, I think just given the nature, and this is a funny way to put this, but given the nature of like how podcast apps work, if you get a bunch of subscribers from day one, then you're typically going to have people who are going to benefit from all of the like pull mechanics that are built into that system throughout the rest of the season. So for example, if I get somebody on Apple Podcasts to hit subscribe on the show, then for at least the next month, they're going to get a push notification from Apple every time I publish a new episode, which can be really powerful because it's like people in some cases aren't sitting there thinking about when the next episode of a show is going to come out. So there's a lot of ways that you can like implement your strategy to utilize the tools of other systems. And I think about that quite a bit because there's a bunch of different ways in which you can kind of like, you know, pull those those levers. On the same note, if this is like a seasonal or an anthology show or something like oftentimes the creator has built that show with the idea of uh, I'm sorry, serial, not seasonal. Oftentimes the creator has built that show with the idea of people listening to episode one and then moving forward through the rest of the series. Just binging. So it's a true crime. You mean like exactly. they're just going to like,
1: I'm going to find this show. I'm going to binge this show. This show is my personality now. Well,
0: <laughs> well, it's not even necessarily binging. Like it can be binging. Yes. But it's also like somebody's going to start on episode one. And that might not apply for something that's like an always on like conversational talking heads show.
1: Right. But it's
0: not episodic. Like a, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, like, you are, want to make sure that you're driving a lot of your traffic back to that first episode for a show that is like a serial or episodic. And you can kind of see a lot of trends in the data when you like really dive in. You can see, for example, that first episode consumption rate might be like 50%. So, half of everybody that comes to listen to it are going to jump off. But then, like, On episode two, anybody who's made it past that threshold, you're gonna see like 80% of people are gonna listen through episode two. And then for episode three, it might be 90% of people. And you can use all of that like towards some of your marketing strategy in terms of like how you're like funneling your listeners to certain platforms or landing pages or episodes of the show. Whereas if this is like uh, an always on show with talking heads or something, you might do an entire campaign surrounding like one big guest or one big like event and like you can then like build your funnel to get people into that one episode and then within the production of that episode you can kind of let them know like hey if you like this episode you might also like this one that we did and like start to build in like your marketing plan and and that funnel to like get people to listen to other episodes of the show so kind of like cross promoting within your own show if where you know your listeners be,
1: are gonna be. Absolutely. Exactly. Oh, that's, brilliant. If that's
0: your entry point.
1: Yeah. Exactly. So it's figuring so they, out where the entry point of your show is and then making the most of that. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. And then there's also a lot of ways that you can like just use the data to influence like how you're making these decisions. But to Joni's point, like you shouldn't be using that as the only frame of reference. That should just be like one tool in your tool set.
2: Yeah, Yeah. and I think that's a key point here is that there are a wide array of strategies and tactics that again can fit your budget, your resource, your time management. Because again, pod burnout is real, or pod fade is real. So consider trying new things, trying a few different things, looking at the data, seeing what stick or sticky, and then move forward with that a little bit more. This is an experiment, right? There's no one true path, the absolute path that is always going to work every single time. So, diversify. Try new things, make new relationships and figure out what works for you in this particular scenario for your podcast.
1: Absolutely. And you guys work with some, you know, established names and much bigger budgets, but you don't have to have a huge budget. You know, like we mentioned, you can start out, you know, approaching other podcasts within your genre that you love. And just, you know, ask to collaborate. You can do these things for free with your time. So it's definitely mm-hmm. something where audience growth is achievable <laughs> for every podcast of every size. It really is something that is accessible to all podcasters. So it's really important to remember that as we're yeah. talking, you know, because some of the shows you guys talk you, about they're you, you incredible, can... but not every podcaster has that kind of budget.
0: I'd say ninety percent of the stuff that we do, and yes, there's like infrastructure and staff and like a lot of costs that are associated with this. But I'd say, of what we do is not paid. So it's, Joni has a really good kind of line that she goes back to often about how, you know, the work that we do is basically just relationship building. And I think that is so true and so important. And, you know, really it's all about just like building these connections, not for like an ask that you have today or when your show launches, but like to start building community, so that when you have something in the future that you want to get in front of the right people, like you already have that relationship.
2: It's true. Absolutely. And especially in this media landscape, I've been working in it now for 11 years. The friends that I made back when I started in media, basically in college, are people I'm still in touch with today. They may have different roles. They may be at different organizations. But the landscape is such where more times than not, if you meet someone today and just have a great relationship now... That could be something that builds into something more wherever they are, wherever you are in the future. So again, make friends. Podcasting is friendship in yes, so many different ways.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think community plays such a big role in, you know, not only the success of, you know, personally your our careers, but in in, in podcasting, community is really so prevalent in mm. terms of, you know, it really is a small community. When you go to an in-person conference, you're meeting people and and it really is, you know, something where people feel that relational aspect and it's about building those bridges. So fantastic. It has been such a pleasure to have you both here today. I always ask our guests a couple more questions. So I'm gonna ask you both, where do you believe the industry is headed?
0: I think that we're still in like the second or third inning of, of where the industry is gonna go. And what I say, there it's funny. I go back to this pretty often, but Mark Andreessen, like a decade ago, had this comment that he or a blog that he wrote. About eight different ways that media companies can monetize. Uh, it includes, you know, micropayments, advertising, subscriptions, events, premium content, etc. cetera. It's actually been updated recently to 10. You can Google that. It's all out there. It's like, you know, Mark Andreessen's eight forms of revenue or something.
1: Yeah, we'll have um, it here in the show notes.
0: Perfect. Uh, but I go back to that as kind of a blueprint because podcasting is basically every other form of media in its infancy. You know we still have problems every day. like you know we we're hearing now about people buying fake downloads or like, you know what's the difference between a stream and a download or how do pastor analytics work, or you know what is a pixel? And like we're still very much in the education phase. There's a lot of really basic stuff that people don't necessarily know or aren't necessarily aware of from day one, and so I think this is a medium that has proven to be really effective and efficient at finding an audience and you know kind of bypassing the gatekeepers to an extent although (laughs) i'm sure that one day we'll have these gatekeepers back but i I guess the long-winded way of of what i'm about to say is like i think that we're still really early and everybody who's talking about how there's like too many publishers or production houses or marketers or you know advertisers like I really think that you got to take a step back and look at every other industry. You know, we're still like a fraction of the size of any other form of media. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's plenty of opportunity and ability for everyone to like really scale pretty significantly. And I think, you know, we're still going to be having this conversation 20 years from now.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Joni, you want to jump in? Yeah, I think to that point, you know, we're thinking of scaling, not that we as in the conglomerate, but just we as in the podcast industry. The scale is happening not just in the sense of you know how we're looking at publishers growing in the space or joining us, but also the scale to which we're growing audiences through the language of the podcast. You know, English is still predominant as the language for podcasting, but looking to growing in different languages. So that means that new apps are going to be forming to be able to accommodate for that and grow those and amplify those voices and stories further. So looking at you know, a company like Wondery, where they are translating their content and yeah. pre-existing content that's chart-topping content into different languages is a brilliant move. It's something that we should really consider too as we look into transcriptions and subtitles or captionings just to be able to accommodate for all audiences and have them join podcasting in whatever way they'd like. But also, I would just say too, the future of podcasting is not to be a cop-out here, but it's the future of audience growth and podcast marketing. You know, the last decade, I feel like, is really focused on how to produce a podcast, how to be a podcaster, a host in that own right. And I think we're now in the uh, next era, if you will, of podcasting where it is diving in deeper to say, now that we know how to make this content, how can we grow it, and how can we decide how to grow it the best way possible? So that means understanding ad tech, being able to really dive into the numbers more for anyone, regardless of their mathematics background. And also, again, understanding how to be able to really create content with purpose and design thinking, being at the heart of that, rather than just shouting into the wilderness and expecting someone to come to you. So those are the things I'm thinking about as we get into the new year and the new, if you will, decade of podcasting.
1: Absolutely. Well, Jeff Umbro, CEO and founder, and Joni Deutsch, Vice President of Marketing and Audience Development of the Podglomerate. Thank you both so much for joining us. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Podcasting Smarter. If you have any podcasting questions or want to get in touch, send us an email at podcastingsmarter at podbean.com. Thanks so much and happy podcasting.